had a hard time with uh, this tablet. Welcome, welcome your backup plan tribe to finally a new a new show about grief. I'm so, so excited to see everybody here today. Welcome, welcome. You know, I'm Tina. I'm from your backup plan app. I am the creator and developer of your backup plan, best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye. I'm a financial advisor and emergency preparedness coach. I'm located here in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. So thank you for coming on our show today. You won't regret it. If you are here for grief, you found the right show. You're here for a reason. We are on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. That should be a song. I think we should make a rap song about that. You know, we are on all podcast platforms, you know, bah, 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 bah. that's what we should do. We should definitely do that because there's so many sh different platforms. It's craziness. So we're everywhere. You can find us everywhere. We talk about real life stories with really amazing people, just like our special guests today on our shows about life changing events in their lives, tragedies, traumas, something life changing, something unexpected hits you. Um, Imagine that. That doesn't happen, does it? Something unexpected happening in your life? Yeah, it does. It does in the blink of an eye. It, that's how quickly something happens, something life-changing, something unexpected hits you. That's, you know, because we don't always get that five-minute evacuation notice. Sometimes no notice at all. Because when a car comes to hit you in an accident, you don't say, hold on one second. I need my five minute notice. It doesn't happen like that. So we need to be, you know, better prepared because sometimes we don't get any time at all and we need to make the right choices and we need to be able to make the right decisions and we need to have the right emotions in our head and our heart to be able to have that right mental state of mind. We don't have choices. In many cases, it just happens and we aren't prepared. Um, so I created an app that helps you organize all of your details in one place in case of any medical emergency, any sudden death, any unexpected tragedy to avoid all that stress after for you and your loved ones. You know, it could be just a, an accident where you're in a coma for a week. I shouldn't say just because it's there for you too. It's not just for after, it's for you during and after. It's for your family during and after. It's there for you. So let's get this party started. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Brittany. Let's bring her in here. There she is. Hi, Hello, Brittany. everyone. Uh, Brittany Squill, let me try and get this. Yeah. Squillis, <laughs> yep. And she comes to us from snowy Minnesota today. Uh, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a grief therapist, and a podcaster. Um, I absolutely love all of her topics that she talks about. Um, we're going to have her come back in because um, there's so much to talk about, you guys, so much. And Grief Talk 101, you know, I found a quote, those we love never leave us. Hmm. There are things that death cannot touch. Mm -hmm. 
And that comes from Jack Thorne. I just love that. And it's so true, but sometimes when it gets in your heart, you just want to take it out for a while. Mm -hmm. You want a break, if that makes sense, Mm because you want the hurt to go away Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't. But anyways, to make a long story short, (laughs) Brittany is here to help us talk about grief today. And I'm so excited to have you come on and talk about relationships and dating and grief because that all is all part of it you know in our lives so thank you for coming on our show Brittany thank you where did it all start for you yeah thank you Tina thanks for having me I'm excited to be here and hello everyone um thank you for welcoming me it's a (laughs) Tina had asked how's your weather today well it's actually a break in the action. So I'm looking out my window. There's no snow coming down. I can see some blue in the sky. So it's good. But that's yeah, a good um, <laughs> Yeah. So as Tina mentioned, I am Brittany Schoolis. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Minnesota. Uh, one of the biggest questions I get asked is, do you work with individuals? Yes. Uh, actually, the majority of my work is with individuals. The licensure is just... Um, speaks more to the fact that I work systemically. So what that means is if I'm working even with an individual, I take into consideration everything that's around them that may be contributing to what's bringing them in to the therapy session. So, you know, I don't just look at the one person. I look at their relationships. I look at their environment. I look at their upbringing. So that licensure, the marriage and family therapy just speaks to we're more systemic thinkers than a different licensure or a coach or anything like that. So not better or worse, just different. Um, So my journey to grief kind of started, you know, I like to say that grief kind of found me. Um, But my... Yeah, well, I mean, that's not a good thing. The grief, the the wanting to specialize in grief, I would say, kind of found me. Um, my first experience with grief and loss was in 2012. My paternal grandparents passed within a month of each other. Um, so I, of course, had my own grief journey with that, but I really struggled watching my dad grieve. And I will disclaimer struggle being not that I was uncomfortable with his grief process, but I was recognizing he wasn't getting what he needed, but I didn't know what that meant. Like, I didn't know what he needed. I didn't know what getting proper grief support looked like. I just knew what he was getting wasn't it. Um, So I just sat with him, right? That was all I knew how to do, which obviously now being in the profession that I am, I know that's one of the best things you can do is just sit with somebody and allow their grief to be there. Um, So that was kind of my first experience of I wanted to be able to not only create a space for people who are grieving to be in a safe space to do that properly, but also to educate those who are supporting someone who is grieving on how to effectively support somebody um, and how to welcome that grief and validate that grief and all of that. So um, 2012 was kind of the kickoff to that, I guess you would say, um, I lost my childhood dog, which there's a lot of stigma around pet loss. And people will say, Oh, it's only a pet. Like, yeah, it's not a person. It's not your child. Well, for, I mean, we've got too many goldens and they are our children. Um, so, you know, having experience well, with they're your best friend. Absolutely. And it hurts a lot. Yeah. Your best friend. Absolutely. I mean, you sometimes sleep with them and oh, you yeah. eat with them and oh, like yeah. you're, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yep. So experiencing kind of this disenfranchised grief, this, these 
experiences with grief that don't necessarily get acknowledged or recognized as grief. So I had experiences with that. And then my parents divorced when I was really little. Um, so there's grief around that. So that's more of an ambiguous or living type loss of nobody died, but the image that I had for my family, that was no longer there. So I was grieving that of what I wanted my family to be, what I thought my family would be. Um, and even to this day, holidays usually are not so much hard, but just kind of like, ugh, really, we're going to do this. Like, I got to figure out when I'm going to go to my dad's and my mom's and blah, 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 right? Um, so I had experienced grief in that sense as well. So, and then when I got into doing therapy, I, you know, they're really big on what's your niche? What's your niche? Find your specialty. <clears throat> so when you're fresh out of school, you really kind of dabble in everything. So you learn what you like, what you don't like. Um, and I really gravitated towards grief. And now, you know, really putting the pieces together and looking at my story, it makes sense. Um, yes. So I, <clears throat> excuse me, COVID hit, opened up my practice because why not in a pandemic? <laughs> excuse me, I gotta get some water. Make it just make it even more difficult for yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And I did some research and I found that the the amount of therapists that specialized in grief was very minimal. There's a lot of therapists that will say, <coughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happening. That's okay. I can <laughs> oh, there are a lot of therapists that will say, oh, I come across that in my practice or I dabble in that, but you really want somebody who's going to specialize in it. So when I saw that it was very minimal, I was like, okay, this needs to be more accessible. So I just jumped into my practice and started my podcast, YouTube channel, <clears throat> my blog, all of that. So that's kind of what led me to grief. And I oh, do, that's cool. I do work with people outside of grief as well. Yeah. And even in grief, it's not just death loss, right? It can be divorce. It can be identity loss. It can be all that kind of stuff. Career. Yes. Loss. And I, I think there's a huge grief um, when you play any type of professional sport as well. Oh, and my gosh, yes. You get injured and then you can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I know that's like it's their whole world. Yeah. And so that really hits hard, too, mm -hmm. for people who well, can't I, play the sport anymore. Absolutely. And I think that hits on a piece of retirement, right? Or these things on the surface that are seen as enjoyable or exciting, there can also be grief in those. And yeah. that's where it kind of falls in this disenfranchised piece of, <clears throat> oh, well, that's supposed to be really exciting. How can you be sad and grieving it? There's some loss in that for that piece of that you're saying, Tina, of like, they don't get to play that anymore. And yeah. an injury is different, but if they retire, it's a little different. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happening to my voice. <laughs> I want to give you a candy. <laughs> I have this little thing too. It's like we've just shared something between us. It's so strange. I don't know what happens. It's like I haven't <laughs> talked in days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I wanted to talk about um, how it affects our families. And, and I did a, an episode on grief and the holidays because that's ho its whole identity. And it's, oh my gosh, that's a whole beast in and of oh. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it's birthdays and Mother's Day and Father's Day and Christmas. And it's just so hard, so very hard. And I wanted to talk about the dating part and grieving 
since you do so much with relationship pull therapy and stuff. And um, so for an instance, I'll give you an example. And I don't know if any listeners out there have gone on a date, but, um, and, and have this experience, but I mean, I guess you don't think of when you go on the date, oh, they're going to ask me, well, he might ask me, um, I never even gave that any thought. But the first time when I'm sitting across from somebody and you're having a coffee and then he says, do you have any kids? Oh, well, I didn't expect that question. I don't know why that was really stupid of me, but um, it was just like somebody just took the knife and just went into my heart. And then I didn't want to cry and I don't know what to say. And so you're sitting there, you're not sure how much to say and what to say. And do you just kind of figure out, you know, blend something together to make it just so that it will be all right for the time being like, and, and then you can't be real. So it's like this difficult task of finding the medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that you, you asked this because whether it's dating or family dynamics or, just trying to talk to a family or whoever about grief, there's always this concern of like, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if they say something that catches me off guard, right? So this isn't an uncommon experience. And I hear that piece too of like, well, I want to be real. I want to be true to who I am. And, but I also don't want to scare them off, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I will say is you and, and I, I would hope that you know this, but I understand that sometimes it can feel <clears throat> with pressure. I am so sorry. Give me a second. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> I'll have a drink too. We'll share. I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. I have like, I don't know, congestion and my, who knows? <laughs> um, so I hope that you would know this, but I'd like to remind people of you don't owe anybody anything. And what I mean by that is you don't have to disclose and share your story if you don't want to. You get to choose what pieces of your story you're going to share. And you also get to, you have the right to go, I don't feel comfortable answering that question, right? If someone asks a question that you're like, ooh, that that doesn't feel okay right now, or I don't have an answer. You get to say that you get to be transparent about that if that feels okay. So I'll say that as just a disclaimer. And I also understand that that can be easier said than done. So what I like to do with my clients and what I will encourage you to do as well, you may not know exactly what question they're going to ask, but I'm guessing you've been on a first date before. And you have a general idea, just like interviews, right? We have a general idea of what they're going to ask. What do we do with interviews? We kind of prepare. We do a mock interview, right? So the idea would be go through what are some potential questions that your first date could ask and then have an answer um, kind of planned up, right? So do you have family? And if your loss revolves the family, okay, how do you want to best answer that? So I've worked with a lot of grieving mothers and they battle with this of, you know, do I still get to celebrate Mother's Day or am I still seen as a mother? So obviously we do a lot of work with that, but you get to choose how you communicate that, right? So I have a client 
<coughs> who says her son will forever be three. Right. So when they asked, do you have kids? She goes, yep, I have blah, blah, blah. And then my son who will forever be three. And if she uh -huh. wants to expand on that, great. She gets to, if she doesn't want to, she doesn't have to. Um, so if you have a general idea of what maybe some of the questions they might ask, great. Think about those and then prepare a response. If not, I would then, and this might even be more important, I would encourage you to think about what could be some possible triggers within your grief that may come up, right? So you know you'll probably talk about family, you know you'll probably talk about work, you know you'll talk about hobbies, da 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 all this stuff, right? In those possible conversations, what might trigger your grief <clears throat> or what aspects of your grief might be triggered? So for example, if they ask about kids, and you've lost a child. Okay, I know that could be a potential trigger. So then what boundaries around that conversation do you want to set? If they ask a question of, do you have children? Do you want to maybe communicate? I'm not comfortable to talk about that, or I do, but I don't want to go in, in, in depth, right? What boundaries might you want to set around that topic? Um, so either... I find it hard when you do say something. <laughs> you... Um... You don't want to leave yourself open to um, them coming back and asking you more about that. So it, there's a fine line about what to say, short sentence, Absolutely. and not bring in more questions. Like mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's like a chess game. Yeah, it does feel very strategic. Um, so that's where you can be very direct of, you know, I don't feel I'm not in a space to talk about that right now. Um, or if you say, you know, if you answer very vague and they ask more questions and those don't feel OK, you can then set the boundary around that of, you know, I just I'd prefer not to talk about it, maybe at a later date. Um, and this I pause because this may not be for everybody. It really depends on your comfort level. And how well you know the person, right? Have you been talking to them leading up to this first date? Is this a totally blind date? You've never met them before, right? Because that's going to influence how you navigate it as well. But yeah. you might choose to say, hey, you know, I'm, I've recently experienced a loss. I'm walking through a grief journey. So please know that I might move away from some questions or I may not answer them to their entirety. Please know that it's just that's part of my grief process. <clears throat> right? It has nothing to do with you, whatever it might be. So if that feels comfortable, you might want to lay it out right away and just let them know, here's where I'm coming from. Um, and if not, that's okay too. Then you would set those boundaries throughout the conversation. I think that would be probably an easier way of, of talking about it because you're not, because I find like you can say, well, you could say that about a grief journey because mm -hmm. it doesn't really hit inside. Yep. But if you said something different about the actual problem, yes. if you want to call it that. Yep. And that so that too is where, absolutely. And so that too is where you get to decide how much of that you disclose. Right. So people hopefully most of the time are well intentioned, but <clears throat> people like to dig, right? We're curious human beings. So when someone says, so this too, I will caution for you if this is how you decide to approach the conversation. Do not be surprised if they go, oh, well, what happened? Like, who who did you, you know, what's your loss? Whatever terms they use. Yeah. Don't be surprised if they ask that, right? 
And I'm giving you the permission, not that you ever need it. You also get to go, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable talking about it, right? <clears throat> you get to set a boundary around that, but be, don't be surprised if they want to know more. If you do kind of set the stage that way of, Hey, I recently experienced a loss. I'm grieving. So just know that some questions might trigger me. It's nothing on you, but I may just choose to not answer them, right? Then they might follow up with, oh, well, you know, what's your loss? What happened, right? And if it doesn't feel okay to talk about it, you get to set that boundary. You do not owe anybody anything. You do your grief journey in a way that feels true to you. Yeah, because uh, as I talked about, Brittany, I, it would be so easy when they say something to you <laughs> to say that and then they ask you that question and then that triggers you and then you start being this blibbering crying person on a date it's not good picture <laughs> yeah and so the hope would be um you know if if the if the individual truly respects where you're at they're they're going to hear that right and they're going to kind of push their curiosity aside so I would encourage you to listen to your gut, right? If at any point you feel like this person is just too curious or they're not listening to what I'm asking, they keep coming back to the same question, listen to that because part of an effective grief, grief process is also finding safe support. And by safe support, I mean everybody defines safe support a little bit differently, but generally it's this idea of they're going to allow you to grieve in a way that feels appropriate to you and they're not going to push when you've set a boundary. So right. just kind of listening to your gut throughout too, but. Yeah. Cause especially if, if you were on a date and you stopped that conversation about that one section of your life, but you talked about the other parts, but if you're on a date and then they just, the man starts talking about all of the, about themselves. And it's like one of those coffee, you know, appointments where you're like, bored to death listening to him the whole time yeah there are those dates too absolutely <laughs> and so here's where the tricky part is too right so you're saying okay well there are those dates where they just talk about themselves right they never ask any questions okay well what do we do in that situation what is yeah. something that they're talking about triggers my own stuff right so it's not even a question that they asked me but it was something that they talked about that triggered my own stuff right so in addition to exploring the questions that they could possibly ask or what might possibly trigger you, I would also encourage, okay, if I get triggered by something they say, how might I want to handle that? I always talk to clients about kind of developing a, an escape plan. Usually I'll talk a lot about this around the holidays, um, just feeling like the holidays are too much. It's too overwhelming. There's too many expectations, all of this stuff. So we put together an escape plan, which essentially is if at any point you feel really overwhelmed or triggered or like you just can't handle anything that's going on, how can you step away just for a little bit? You don't necessarily have to leave and never come back unless if that's what feels true to you or okay for you, but how can you step away and just kind of reground, take a second to collect yourself and then come back? So I would encourage the same in this situation, right? Whether you get triggered by a question that was asked or you get triggered by something that they're sharing, have kind of an escape plan of, you know, excuse me, I got to run to the restroom or I need to step outside really quick or, you know, have that friend or family member on call just in case. Um, but I would encourage you to develop an escape plan as well. So you don't feel like you ever get trapped um, if you become triggered because that's, ugh, that's awful. 
that's hard too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's, I find it so strange when it comes and hits you, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no five minute right. <laughs> evacuation notice. <laughs> yeah. It's literally it just like whoosh mm-hmm. comes yeah. at you. And so I think I've, I've, um, talked with clients about that in two different situations. One is, um, they, they are aware of the grief triggers, right? They know what triggers their grief, but when that trigger comes up, you know, how it happens, that's surprising to them. Like, I didn't expect that trigger to come up then. I thought I was going to be okay. Yeah. The other way, um, it usually presents is I didn't know that was a trigger, Right. So they're going to go to whatever, some sort of event or listen to a song, watch a movie, didn't think twice about it. And then all of a sudden their grief is triggered and they're like, wait, what? That, oh, right. So either how the trigger you already know about shows up or something that you never even thought of being a trigger. Um, and those can come up in dates too. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, really, it's going to be aside from, like the exercises. I'm very hands-on. I like to give clients homework or even just my listeners on my podcast or YouTube channel, different things to start implementing in your life. Um, So explore those questions, right? What could potentially be a trigger within my grief? What questions might possibly trigger me and how do I want to respond to that? And then making sure you have an escape plan if you feel like it's just too much. Um, But in addition to that, I would just say, um, I don't want to say be open, but it, um, be open in the sense of anything could possibly trigger, but I also don't want you to go in kind of um, paranoid, right? Yeah. But I think just knowing that the nature of grief is it's it's everywhere, right? Whether we've lost somebody, we're going through a divorce, we're grieving retirement, whatever it is, grief is everywhere and it can take many different forms and it never ends. So there's always something that could potentially trigger it. And again, this isn't to make you fearful, right? But it's help you, it's to hopefully help you feel better prepared that if I do get triggered, it's okay because I have these tools and everything that I can help myself to navigate through it. It's just like your backup plan. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yes. Like, and that very truly, right? Because, okay, we're it in is. life and we know stuff can happen, but we're, that's not going to prevent us from living, hopefully, right? <clears throat> but we've got these things in our back pocket. So in case and if when life happens, we've got it. So that same thing, right? We know grief happens. We know it's there. And the hope would be it's not going to prevent us from continuing to live our life. However, that is a big obstacle that I work clients with. So it's, that is normal. It's a typical response, but we have grief. We're going to keep doing our thing. And then when grief triggers and shows up, I've got my stuff to help me navigate it. So it is exactly like a backup plan. Yes. It's just that you just don't know all the triggers, right? Um, I find it could be going in the shopping center and a song comes on or It could be um, kids playing or mm-hmm. it could be kids going on Santa Claus um, lineup or yeah. seeing them play like that. Or it could be two couples um, holding hands mm-hmm. down the aisle shopping together. And, yeah. it, and so it could be anything. Right. Could, I had a client who 
went on a flight for the first time with her mm. son and she's alone but it could be you could be on a date too like yeah. you could be going on a trip somewhere and it could yeah. happen yeah because you're in the plane and something happens like it just mm-hmm. whooshes in and I wish you could whoosh it out just as fast but I, know. I know you have to I guess you have to learn that part Well, and the tricky thing with triggers is too, so not only this piece that you're speaking to of you just don't know when they're going to come, also our life circumstances change. And as our life circumstances change, the way in which we experience grief and how grief manifests and shows up also changes, which means those triggers are also going to change. So what might be a trigger today may not be a trigger two, three years down the road from now. And what might be a trigger two, three years down the road from now may not be a trigger today, right? So we're constantly adapting. We're constantly learning. So we have to be flexible within our grief journey because our grief changes. And that is okay. That doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean, you know, our grief is whatever, different than other. It's just that's grief, right? And it shifts and manifests differently as our life changes. So and I find the whoosh if I want to call it that, different mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Like it could be a little whoosh. Yep. And you can actually go, like, take a breath or walk around or go outside. Like, you can take it away. Yep. Like, you learn how to maneuver around yes. that. Yep. What works for you? Go have a cigarette, whatever it, whatever right. it is. Yeah walk away for a minute, whatever. But then there's this bigger, bigger whoosh. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know because it's just so overwhelming that it just like, like you can't take it away. Like you can't do whatever it takes. Absolutely. Yeah. And so these... Yes, 100%. And so I think with these little whooshes, right, if that happens while you're on a date or wherever, you know, being able to go, give me, a, just give me one second, right? I'm, I'm, I need a minute or I'm processing or, right, being able to step away, kind of part of your escape plan. These bigger whooshes, and I'll talk to clients a lot about this, and I actually have a podcast um, series coming up in March that will talk about this. Um, but this idea of sometimes... and I laugh because it feels like such a cop-out, but there's so much power in it. Sometimes we just have to sit in that whoosh, right? We're so, I think we live in a society where we're so quick to fix, 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 right? We don't like this discomfort. We don't like the icky, right? So I want to get rid of it 100%. And there can be a lot of benefit in just sitting in that whoosh, making sure you're safe, right? Because sometimes when we are triggered, we're, we're just too escalated. Um, but as long as you feel like you're safe with yourself and you're in a safe space, there can be a lot of power in just sitting in that and allowing it to be there, not doing anything with it, not judging it, nothing. Because then what that does is you are now validating your own experience and going, you know what? Yeah, this is hard. I'm really triggered right now. And I'm just going to, I'm going to validate this as opposed to kind of get it out, get it out, get it out. Right. And obviously that's not to say just like be a bully to the trigger. Right. Don't let the trigger bully you. But it's more, okay. I feel you. Here's how it's feeling. Right. How are you feeling it in your body when that big whoosh comes up? What's happening to your body? 
What's your thoughts, right? So it's kind of sitting in it and observing it as opposed to trying to get rid of it. We can learn a lot in that space if it's done properly, right? Well, and it does feel good sometimes if you're in a comfort, comfortable place. Yes. In a safe place to just say, okay, mm -hmm. I think I can, I think I can just let it out today. Yep. Or let it out right now. Or yes, the problem with that, I find, is that with crying. I mean, if if it was just being upset, I, I guess it would be easier. But the crying part, I mean, your face all gets all inflamed, and your eyeballs, and I mean, you look like crap, and it, it's that part I hate. Yeah. But the other part I could handle because you can like move through it by mm -hmm. doing something or mm -hmm. sitting in it or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, reading a book or whatever you can take in for yourself or meditate or, yep. or whatever that could be. Mm -hmm. I guess it's getting to that stage where you can control your body more. Yes. Yep. And so that's what I would say of there are sometimes those big whooshes or those those triggers that just come on really, really hard. We might just be escalated. So we're all the way up here, right? At any time our emotion is that high, nothing is going to happen, right? Like no. there's no logic. It feels like you have no control. So then at that moment, yes, it is going to be about how can we regulate that emotion right? How can we bring you back to a baseline? So it is going to be grounding, mindfulness. Um, one of the easiest and quickest grounding exercises I give my clients is called five, four, three, two, one. So you identify five things in your current space that you can see five things in your, or excuse me, four things in your current space that you can hear three things in your current space that you can touch two things in your current space that you can smell and one thing in your current space that you can taste. So the idea is if I can get all of my senses involved at one time, I can't do that and have my anxiety, whatever it is, be present at the same time. So that is the quickest because I mean, you can do it anywhere. I always caution people if you are in a space that if your environment is what's triggering you, then you might want to remove yourself from that space before you do this exercise, because it is taking in your surroundings. Um, but so if the trigger is your emotions are just so high up here, regulate yourself first, and then you can sit in it. And you can have, you know, different, um, like calming music in the background, <clears throat> different things yeah. you do while you're observing it. What about on a date? Do you think that, you know, you could say, oh, that, that just hold on a second. I need a minute. Um, can we play a quick game for a second? <laughs> you know, something like that where you can have the other person with you sitting yeah. there. You can say, okay, let's, let's find five things around the room. And then we could like, cause that would really take your mind off of it. Absolutely. And that, <clears throat> I mean, if they feel like a safe person, absolutely bring them in on that. Um, Otherwise, that may be an instance where you're like, excuse me for a second, I need to step away. Yeah. Um, or you just redirect the conversation to something in your current environment. Right. Like, yeah, you'd oh have gosh, to feel comfortable, right, with the person yep. to do that. 
I'm just going to quickly um, make sure that everybody listening knows that your stuff, all of your stuff, all of Brittany's stuff is yes. down below in the description box below. And um, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel because we love you. And hey, you deserve to uh, click on that bell and hit that subscribe button because we, we want you around. Um, so, and all of um, Brittany's stuff, you can reach her at either Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and her website is down below. Yes. So um, getting back to our discussion, I think, um, I think that would tell you a lot about the date of like the man or the woman of what, whatever your instance. Um, because if you said, Oh, hold on a second, you know, I have to try and clear this. I don't know what you would call it, but I have to try and take a second. Mm -hmm. Can we play this game real quick? And if they're open to it and, and gung ho and participating, yeah. that tells you what kind of person they are too. Right. Right. Yeah. And they may, you know, they may not be, they may approach it with some caution or just like, uh, okay. Right. But if they, <laughs> right. Cause it'd be weird. It would I, I'll, straight up. Like if I was with somebody and I had no idea and they go, Oh, um, can you play a game with me really second? I'd be like, uh, <laughs> sure. Right. But what we want to look for is, are they respecting what you're experiencing? Right. And are they not pushing any further after you've already said, I'm, I'm not going there. Right. Or, Hey, um, that question kind of caught me off guard. Can we do something really quick? Are they willing to at yeah, least explore it good. or are they shutting it down right away? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, going back to talking about themselves. <laughs> I've oh had my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. It's so painful because you think after an hour and a half or something on this date and you're thinking, Oh my goodness, I just wasted an hour and a half of my time that I'll never get back again. <laughs> yeah. And usually, so yeah, if they're talking about themselves, well, even if there isn't a grief situation, but also this piece of if they and and I pause because it typically this is like a well-intentioned way to support somebody, but it comes off very dismissive and invalidating. But if they then go, oh, well. I know exactly how you feel because I oh. lost, but, and they try to make your grief about them. Right. Um, I hate that too. Yeah. Yep. Because let's face it. I think all grief is the same. Hmm. doesn't matter, but there are all different instances of yes. grief. And that's where I brought in the little whooshes and the big yep. whooshes. Yep, exactly. So what you're saying is, and it's exactly right, grief as a concept, what grief is, that is universal. We are all human for the most part. Well, no, we are all human, period. For the most part, we are here to connect with people. We are here to build relationships. We are here to, here to feel loved. We are here to love. Which means we are all going to lose somebody that we care deeply about. Yeah. A human who is bred to connect and love and care about people, we are going to have a natural response of grief. 
we are all going to experience it. So the concept of grief and what it is, is universal. How it's different, Tina, is exactly what you're saying of how it shows up, how we experience it. Um, there are all these other influences too, right? Um, who the person was that we lost, right? Who were they in our life or the situation, right? Was it a divorce? Was it, um, you know, and it's, it's an exciting thing. Woohoo, I retired, but now I've lost my sense of purpose. Um, are we going through an identity change, right? All of this kind of stuff, not that one is worse or more challenging than the other. They're just different. So grief, universal. The way in which it shows up and how we experience it and what we need looks different from person to person. And there are a bunch of different factors that influence that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because it could be a smell. Yeah. So smell and um, it's smell and uh, it's sound. Those are the two senses that are so strong that can bring you back to a moment just like that. And it's like you're there. And it's like it happened. It's happening right now. So smell and sound are the two that bring you back immediately. And it's so vivid. So mm -hmm. if it's smell, would it be beneficial to have some sort of smell in your purse or your pocket? Sure. Like yeah. menthol or eucalyptus or yeah. citrus or something like to change it real quick? So there are um, essential oils are huge. Um, there are some, and I don't know any brands or companies off the top of my head, but there are some that you can actually put on your skin and there are pressure points. I think the most common is like on your wrist and behind your ears. Um, but I would definitely encourage that. Right. Or yeah, if you don't want any to put on your body, if you just have some to smell to help you relax, eucalyptus is going to be huge for stress. So anytime you're triggered, um, and then lavender, of course, is like that relaxation kind of thing. But you find your own. People gravitate towards different different scents. But essential oils are huge. Okay. Well, that's mm -hmm. a great tip for everybody. Boy, oh boy. Because you could be out and it would be easy just to pull something out of your pocket yep. or your purse. And, and that's the to concern too, right? Of like, what happens if I'm not at home? Because usually at home or in our safe space, we have all this stuff to help us cope. Yeah. Right. But oftentimes we get triggered in the outside world, understandably so. So then the question is, well, what do I do then? So essential oils, or I usually have people, I ask them, is there any sort of item or anything small that you can bring with you that brings you comfort? So kind of this idea of a transition object for babies, right? Um, so whether it's a pin or it's a song or it's a picture or it's a saying that you write down on a post-it that you pull out, right? Find something that can travel with you to help you in those moments when you are triggered that will still bring you similar comfort to when you're in the comfort of your own home. I think the scent, like you said, would really be powerful, especially when you're because it, it is like an interview a date is like an interview so mm. sometimes that person that you're sitting across is very you know um I won't say pristine but mm, kind of intimidating a bit for sure well and it you know, you know it, so then it's hard to know what to do for sure yep 
Absolutely. And it, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been on a first date, but um, <laughs> from what I remember, you want, you want to get to know that person. Right. And when we're going through a grieving process, whether it's the death of a loved one or not, whether it's just a life transition or whatever, there's a big identity piece that comes with that. Right. So I talked about my bereaved mothers. They question like, do I even call myself a mom anymore? Right. So, or if we're retired, like, well, who am I? I? I don't know. Right. So what do you answer to the moms then? Cause I would say, just look at my stomach. <laughs> Yeah, no, right. Really, yeah. Mom or not. <laughs> yeah, well, it gets to this piece of, you know, obviously we explore it. We go a lot deeper into that question and, you know, what's contributing to that, yada, yada, all the stuff. But what it really comes down to, Tina, is what you had already said of death can't take your memories and, you know, the facts away. The fact is, you gave birth to a child. You raised a child, and just because that child isn't physically here does not mean you are not a mother, right? So we, it really comes down to reminding people that just because someone is physically gone does not mean the memories are gone, um, your role to them is gone. It just looks different. So then we might have to do some redefining of the role, right? How does being a mother to a deceased child look, right? What are you doing differently? What, you know, what's important as being a mother? Well, I really want to advocate for them. Great. How do we do that? Um, so the role changes, but it's definitely not gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's never gone, but yeah. it's, I know um, one of my guests that I had on the show lost her son and then lost her daughter um, right after. So, mm. and there's a lot of overdoses and, and this epidemic is, is crazy. Yep. And the pandemic is crazy and all of the things that we have to maneuver around. But mm -hmm. of course we talked about this before, but having a plan before as well, like yeah. having a plan of yeah. your son now moving out and on his own. And he might've like, I had a client who he went out and bought his new truck and he had a mortgage of his mm. new condo and he was doing awesome. And the parents mm. didn't even need to help. They just had to co-sign the loan. Yep. And he, you know, he's being a big boy now and he's doing adult things and, and he's really grown and that's a normal, normal procedure. Yeah. But then he passes away. Mm. And not only do you have the grief but you have the relationships with all of his friends. Yes. Problem. Yeah. And then you have all of his stuff. Yeah. That you might not know his Facebook account. Yeah. Password. You might not know where he banked or now you're stuck with the loan that you are mm. stuck with because he's passed away. Yeah. Now you're stuck and burdened with these assets. Now you're stuck and burdened with this debt. And I think we have to look at when we do preparation, just like we're preparing ourselves for a date or mm -hmm. grief, we need to prepare ourselves for what if. Yeah. So we look at the picture. This is all awesome. And it's so hard because the younger people think they're Superman. Yep. 
Oh, and nothing yeah. is going to happen. Never happened to me. <clears throat> nope. That's for older people. I don't, yeah. I, I'll worry about that when I retire. Yeah. Yep. Or and I actually have older people like my parents and they're still saying when they're older, like yeah. when, <laughs> like, yeah, when honestly. is older, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I actually, and Tina, I was telling you this too, but I'll share with, with everyone else as well. I actually have a, this month for January, I have a pre-planning series on my podcast. So I have, um, an estate planner, a funeral director, um, a company who talks about writing legacies or like building legacies, um, for this purpose, right? Of it's so important yeah. to talk about pre-planning and, you know, that's part of the taboo within our society. Like, don't talk about death. Don't like, Ooh, we don't like it. It's, ah. and sure. Like, let's not talk about it day in and day out. Like who wants that? But being able to recognize we're all going to experience it, it's going to happen. So why not be prepared? Right. And not have to leave that stress on our loved ones of, well, crap, now what am I going to do? Exactly what you're saying, Tina, of like, I got all these assets, I got the mortgage, I got all these things. So I'm grieving on top of trying to figure out the logistics. Yeah. Talk about getting escalated and triggered, right? Yeah. Whereas if we can pre-plan, okay, I've got my grief that I still have to figure out, but I have a plan and somewhat of a structure with all these logistics. Oh my gosh. Game changer. It, it mm -hmm. is. Absolutely. Because what I talk about in the show a lot of times is that when you get the big whoosh or shock of the of the instance, um, you lose your brain. Your yes. brain disappears into air. And I always say it's like I'm trying to grab it out of the air, trying to bring it back into my head. And it's yep. just not going. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Emotion is going to override logic. Always, which is why typically we'll say, you know, if when we're reacting, it's more of an emotional response. Whereas if we're responding, we've paused and it's thought out, right? Because we've allowed yeah. that that thought process to travel all the way to the logic part of our brain, which is in the very, very front, right? And all the emotion and pleasure and everything happens in the background. But when that, those are really powerful, right? So when those fire, everything appears like boop gone. So that's where it's don't react, right? React is boom, right away. It's emotion driven. Yeah. How can we respond, right? Which is going to allow us to pause, ground ourselves, reconnect, think about it, and then navigate it and understand we're human. And when grief triggers, yep, sometimes emotion is going to take over and it's just, it is what it is. That's okay. It happens. But if we're in a space where we can eliminate that emotional reaction, such as pre-planning, let's do it. And that's not to say we won't get triggered in that pre-planning process, yes. but it's going to be way less of a hassle to do it prior to whatever's had the loss, the change, whatever, than when you're in the midst of it all. Oh, for sure. And I mean, yeah. it's easier to talk about. It's yep. easy to talk about when nothing's happened. Right. It really is. It's, yeah. it's just uncomfortable. For sure. Yeah, but it's easy. It's easy to say, you know, what did you want to have happen? And, yep. you know, and a lot of younger people want to donate their organs and mm -hmm. things like that. And they're quite open about talking about it. And yep. it's all of those kinds of things that we just, it's taboo to talk about. But mm -hmm. if we could just talk about the uncomfortableness of it and get the answers, you know, like I talk about the worksheets that I have in the program and it's easy just to take a worksheet and go down the list and tick the boxes and write notes and, and, yep. and it's done. 
Yep. It's all done. Yeah. Yeah. It's about becoming or becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable and yes. knowing that doesn't mean like I'm going to sit fully exposed and I have no protection. No. Right. Like, yes, absolutely. Have your coping skills, do what you need to, to help you be okay. Yeah. Somewhat okay. Right. But being comfortable with the uncomfortable is sometimes a necessary part of what we have to, what we have to do. Yeah. Because the decisions after say your son passes away and you're left with all these burdens of assets and debt and, and everything and stuff and crap basically um, because now you have to go through his stuff and yeah, it's not yeah. pretty. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. And you know, that's not to say, okay, even if I do pre-planning that, you know, it's not going to be a hassle or that grief isn't going to get triggered. It may, but it's not going to be as escalating. You're not yeah. going to have as much stuff to figure out if you answer some of these questions before the fact. Um, and, and you know, some people might. And the burial is a big one. Like, yeah. Yep. It mm -hmm. really, really is. Well, and a big piece too that comes with it of wanting to grant the wishes of the person. And if we don't do that pre-planning work, we don't know what their wishes are. Right. I've done a lot of pre-planning programs with like funeral homes and a lot of the local funeral homes around here anyway in Minnesota. Um, they, if you ask them, they order it for free for you. It's a booklet of, it answers all these questions, right? Like, what do you yeah. want? What do you don't want? Blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, and every workshop we do, they'll give an example of, you know, so this family took this book at home, mom filled none of it out except for this one piece. And it said, do not put me in a pink casket. Oh. Okay. So that's all they had, but at least we knew, right? At least they knew, do not put mom in a pink casket. So they didn't, right? So that can be some of the benefit too of, we don't have to worry about, am I honoring their wishes because they're right there. And as long as you follow everything they put, you are honoring their wishes. And without that, that can complicate the grief journey, right? Yeah, of, sure. I don't know what their wishes were. I don't know if I did them justice, right? And so then that's there can be the whole to grief. grief. Yes. So of knowing regret. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So knowing that pre-planning isn't just for the logistics, it's also helping your grief journey, even though you may not experience it right in that moment. As you start that grieving process, which I mean that you can start grief at any point, but you understand what I'm saying. Once that yeah. grief really comes in after the loss, um, it won't feel as complicated because you have some of those questions answered. So, absolutely. Yeah. So Brittany, I, I hate to, uh, end us because we are having a great time here and talking about so much and I'll have you come back in talk about more about relationships and grief yeah. and family dynamics and all of that kind of stuff um because that's difficult too I mm -hmm. find with family members not respecting oh your yeah and your grief yeah. um you know you should be over that by now and yes. what's your problem and you know all mm -hmm. of that kind of jazz yeah but um what kind of final message would you like for the listeners? Great question. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So the biggest thing I say, and it, you know, my clients probably chuckle and go, Oh my God, enough with this already. But I'm so big on it is whatever you do throughout your grief journey, whether that's the grief of a loved one, like the death of a loved one, or, you know, you're grieving some sort of living loss, whether it's retirement, divorce, identity, whatever, 
the biggest thing I want to make sure that hits home and that you take with you is be sure to honor your grief journey. So simply what that means is you are navigating grief and doing grief in a way that feels true to you, not to anybody else, right? You're not doing anything because someone told you you needed to do it. You're not denying yourself of something that you need because it's not acceptable. No, right? There's no timeline. There are no stages to grief, right? There is no specific way that grief is supposed to look. The biggest thing is as long as you are doing grief that feels right and true to you, then you're doing it right. So that's my biggest thing that I hope you all take with you is honor your grief journey, ask for what you need, and just make sure it feels okay for you, not anybody else. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you, Brittany. Thank Thank you you so much. You know, that is so very, very true. Mm -hmm. So very true. Because you hear so much from people. Mm -hmm. Oh, you should be over that by now. Or I've heard, um, um, I don't know what your problem is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it will be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many different things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or it was just this, or it was just that, or you it, around the holidays, a lot of it is you can't just shut it off for one night. Um, no. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I'll equate it to, would you ask me to turn off my love for my husband for one night? Who's living? Mm, no. Okay, so then why would you ask me to do it for my deceased husband, right? It's the same thing. It just looks different. It's the yeah. same concept. Um, but yeah, so it's that same idea. Um, and a, some of those are well-intentioned, right? Like, oh, they're in a better place. Um, you know, this will get better soon. Time heals They were up. old anyways. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're no longer hurting. They were old, right? Sometimes they're well-intentioned, but that that's that piece that I'd said. It comes off dismissive and very invalidating for the person who's grieving. Um, so finding different things. And that, that would be something I'd be happy to come on and talk about too, of what are some helpful and effective things that we can communicate to someone who's grieving as someone who is supporting a person who's grieving, right? What do we say? Right. What do we not say? All of that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, look at that. We've covered so much. Thank you so much, Brittany, with Thank all your you. tips and tricks. It's amazing. You know, guys, we are not Superman, but we act like we are because nothing is going to happen, right? Nothing. <laughs> I don't know. But as you know, that's far from the truth, especially after this pandemic hit. We have crazy weather. We have mm-hmm. the pandemic to deal with, and it just keeps on evolving its little head, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just like it drops down and then it comes back again, mm-hmm. just like grief. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a sneaky little thing. That it just is a sneaky on. little thing. Yes. Just when we think we're past it. Um, and we can look at the last five years in the world and there's shootings in the schools and streets and work accidents and car accidents and overdoses and the pandemic and not to mention the crazy wars and the natural disasters, wildfires and floods and the hurricanes. We all need to be prepared. It doesn't matter for what. It, it could be for anything. And, and that's that's the unfortunate part because it makes it difficult to know what are we going to be prepared for? Mm -hmm. But that's why you have me Mm -hmm. because we make sure of that. So don't forget to smash that like button and hit the bell. If you want to be notified about all of our shows coming up. And if you are thinking about that special someone watching the show right now, you know, that special person in your head right now, that you haven't talked to in a very long time. 
And you just know you should pick up that phone, knock on their door, FaceTime them, whatever it is, send them a text about how much you love and care about them mm-hmm. today because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Yes. So that being said, um, I always end our podcast with Carol Burnett because she's a beautiful, beautiful person. <laughs> I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Um, be, state, be safe. Expect the unexpected. Be kind. Thank you, Brittany, for coming Thank on you. our show. Bye, everyone. Thank you. You're very welcome. Till next time. See you next week. Mm -hmm. Bye for now.